I got a text from Michael on, well, I saw it Monday morning, and it said, hey, uh, would you be willing to speak at Thrive on Thursday? I was like, ah, okay, that's not a lot of time, but sure, I want to do it, let's go for it. Um, And then I was like, okay, what do you want me to speak on? He's like, well, we've been going through Mark, uh, so we're at chapter 6, and we're at the beheading of John the Baptist. I was like, oh, Okay, um, wasn't expecting that one. He's like, well, you could also do like feeding the 5,000. Okay, there's a Sunday school story. Or he's like, okay, or you could just kind of like pick whatever. It's like, you know what? I'm going to go for the beheading. That sounds interesting. Let's, uh, let's try that. Um, so, actually, let me get my notes out before I get derailed, before I even start. Um, I told my brother I was going to be speaking on the beheading of John the Baptist. And he's like, you should make them uh, wear like... Camel skins give them like a week's worth of honey and locusts and like send them out. So be glad Michael invited me and not my brother. Um, So I'm going to pray. Let's start there. Lord, I thank you for tonight, Lord. I thank you for everyone here. Lord, I pray that um, in this time, Lord, that you are working. Lord, that we are open to hear what you want to say to us, Father. Um, Lord, I pray that whatever I've prepared, Lord, that it's surrendered to you. Um, Lord, I pray that you speak what you want to in this time. Lord, I pray you lead us into your truth, um, encourage us, show us how to live well, um, and live in a way that honors your life, your death, and your resurrection, and the call that you've placed on our lives. Lord, we uh, love you, and we want to walk with you more, Father. pray all these things in your name. Amen. All right, so we're going to jump right into Mark 6, and I'm going to start reading in verse 14. King Herod heard of it, uh, for Jesus' name had, been, um, had become known. Um, some said, John the Baptist has been risen from the dead. That is why these miraculous powers are at work um, in him. But others said, he is Elijah. And others said, he is a prophet, like one of the prophets of old. But Herod heard it, and he said, John, whom I beheaded, has been raised. So, this is happening after. Jesus is showing up. He's doing all these signs and wonders. And people are like, oh, it's John the Baptist, he's back. And Herod's like, wait a second, I just killed him. So we're kind of like jumping back in time. So that's what's happening, this kind of flashback here. Um, for it was Herod who had sent and seized John and bound him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because he had married her. For John had been saying to Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. And Herodias had a grudge against him and wanted to put him to death. But she could not, for Herod feared John knowing that he was a righteous and holy man, and he kept him safe. And when he heard him, he was greatly perplexed, and yet he heard him gladly. But an opportunity came when Herod, on his birthday, gave a banquet for his nobles and military commanders and the leading men of Galilee. For when Herodias' daughter came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his guests. And the king said to the girl, Ask of me whatever you wish, and I will give it to you. He vowed to her, Whatever you ask, I will give you up to half my kingdom. And she went out and said to her mother, For what should I ask? And she said, The head of John the Baptist. And she came in immediately with haste to the king and asked, I want you to give me at once the head of John the Baptist on a platter. And the king was exceedingly sorry because of his oaths. um, But because of his oaths and his guests, he did not want to break his word to her. And immediately the king sent, sent an executioner with orders to bring John's head. And he went and beheaded him in the prison and brought his head on a platter and gave it to the girl. And the girl gave it to her mother. And when his disciples heard of it, they came and took his body and laid it in the tomb. So that's where we're going to be tonight. Um, 
John spoke truth. John looked at what the king was doing and how he lived, and he said, this does not line up with what God says is right. And he spoke that boldly, and he was eventually killed for it. So that's kind of where I want to focus tonight, is speaking truth in the face of adversity where there are real consequences. Like, this is relevant to today. The stuff we see going on in the news, and I'm going to try to keep politics out of it, but if you start looking at some of the religious persecutions we see in China, in the Middle East, even starting over here in the Western world with some of the stuff going on in Canada and even some of the things we've been seeing with COVID and church restrictions, like this is real. And we as a community and we as a church have to decide, okay, at what point will we choose to surrender to the authorities that God has placed over us? And at what point do we say, those authorities are encroaching on my relationship with God and I cannot comply? And again, I'm not going to try to get political. That is not my focus The church is not supposed to be a bunch of protesters on the sidewalk. I believe that causes often more harm than good. But we want to be a church that is grounded in the truth, that will stand for it even when there are consequences because of it. Um, I'm just going to pull out like a couple quick um, things from this story, and then we'll dive a little bit more into like who John the Baptist was. Um, It's interesting. Herod actually liked talking with John. Even though John was saying, like, hey, you're living wrongly. You're, you're living in sin. Herod liked talking to him. Um, and I think that kind of ties in with the idea of, like, we as Christians need to have, we need to be salt and light in the world, and we need to be ready to give um, an account. For, like, when people are asking us, like, hey, what's up with the joy inside of you? Giving an account. I kind of see that with Paul and Herod's relationship. Um, like, Herod kind of treats it a little bit as kind of, like, entertaining. Um, but he's listening, and he's listening to the truth. Um, Herodias, Herod's wife, who was Herod's brother's wife, um, hated him because he spoke the truth. So we see different reactions to the same message. Herod was kind of like, ah, it's entertaining, it's interesting, kind of leaves me puzzled, but you know, it's kind of academic exercise. And then Herodias, he just hates it right away. Different reactions to the same truth. Um, you have Herodias' daughter that dances. This is probably uh, Herod's niece. Um, so it's not like his daughter. The, the whole thing is weird. Don't worry. The, it's like full-on Game of Thrones with this story. Um, so that's probably his niece. Um, and at the very end, we have John's disciples, who just the fact that we see that there are disciples, there are people that respect him, that obeyed him, um, and were willing to follow after his example. So, three reactions to John's message. We see Herod that treats it as kind of entertainment and interesting kind of academic exercise. Herodias that hates it, and then his disciples who believe and follow after him. Um, I'm going to give you guys just a quick rundown of like John the Baptist's life. I feel like a lot of times he gets kind of overshadowed because he is introducing Jesus, and anytime Jesus shows up, that's where the focus is. That's where the focus should be, but I want to take just a little bit of time and kind of like dive into his story. Um, and this is mostly coming out of uh, Luke 1 and Luke 7. I'm not going to read through everything. I'm just going to give you guys kind of like a quick summary of John's life. Um, so an angel actually prophesied his birth. 
His dad was a priest in the temple, and his dad was chosen to go in and offer the sacrifice um, and burn the incest before the presence of the Lord. So he goes in there, and an angel shows up and says, hey, I know you're old, your wife's old, but uh, you're going to have a kid. And John's, do- or John's father doubts, and then he can't speak. He's struck dumb by the Holy Spirit. Um, and the angel prophesies of John, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth, and he will be great before the Lord and turn many to God. He will prepare the way for the Lord with the spirit and the power of Elijah. So this is what's prophesied of John before he's even born. Um, so you have John's mother, Elizabeth, and Jesus' mother, Mary, are related. Um, it doesn't really say specifically how they're related, but they are related. When Mary comes to tell Elizabeth that she is pregnant with Jesus, John, who at that time is in his mother's womb, leaps. Like, this kid is filled with the Holy Spirit before he's even born. Like, this is a powerful man of God that God chose specifically for a purpose. And we see that played out in his life. So he's related to, the Je- related to Jesus. He's also the same age as Jesus. In my mind, I always thought of John the Baptist as kind of like this old, grizzled guy in the desert. Like, he probably died when he was early 30s, probably not before he was 35. That's not much older than Thrive Age. And this was a powerful man of God that spoke truth. So, like, that's us. Like, that is the caliber of God that we work with. He's like, no, I don't care about your age. I don't care if you feel qualified or not. I will qualify you. Um, so he went on and he baptized many. He taught repentance. He said, hey, God's coming. Like, Jesus is coming. We need to get ready for him. Um, and he spoke that with power. He called out the sin in the, the Pharisees. Um, he called out the sin in the religious leaders. And he did it in the power of the Holy Spirit. He eventually went on to baptize Jesus and see the Holy Spirit descending on Jesus in that moment. Um, And hear God the Father speak, this is my son whom I'm well pleased. So I want to set that image. John was there. He was the one actively baptizing Jesus in that moment. Like if there's anyone that should know that Jesus is the son of God, it's John. And we even recognize that. Like he sees Jesus walk up and he's like, you're the son of God. Like, I shouldn't be baptizing you. You should be baptizing me. He recognizes who Jesus is before even his disciples do. He is one of the first people to recognize Jesus as the son of God. When he's eventually put in jail, he actually begins to doubt that Jesus is the son of God. Um, And we see that because he sends two of his disciples to Jesus. And he says, like, ask him, like, are you the Messiah? Are you the one? Because at this point, if we look earlier in Mark, Jesus just got rejected at Nazareth, as his, at his hometown. So John, you kind of have to put yourself in John's position. So he, in that moment, was like, yes, this is the Son of God. But then he got put in jail, and now Jesus is being rejected. If John was right, why are these things happening? Why is he the one in jail? Why is Jesus being rejected if he is the Son of God? So you, you, you have to sympathize with his doubt. Like, that's a legitimate doubt. Like, why are these things happening? It doesn't make sense. Um, and I will come back to that later. Um, but we see throughout John's life, regardless of who was present, 
regardless of what situation he was in, regardless of what consequences were there, he always spoke the truth, and he spoke it boldly, without fear. And he spoke it with the power of the Holy Spirit. He was filled with the Holy Spirit from birth. That is something that, other than Jesus up to that point, I don't know if there's any biblical character or biblical person that had that. Because the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament was given to specific people for a specific time, for a specific reason. It wasn't just, oh, your life is filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what we live in today. But back then, that was the, the kings, the prophets. Those are the ones that had the Holy Spirit. And that would often fall on them, them later in life. But we see John here is filled with the Holy Spirit before he's even born. Um, but he was always faithful to speak what God had given him boldly, with absolute confidence. Um, now, we're going to get into the, the nitty-gritty. How do we respond to our culture that is entrenched in sin? We can look at the abortion, the transgender, the homosexuality, the racial tensions, the hatred, the division, the greed, the lust. You guys, you guys see the news. I don't need to prove this to you guys. We see the sin in our world. And we have a God that says, I want to heal that. I want to bring, bring grace. I want to bring um, peace. I want to bring hope to those people. Now, where we get caught up is how do we do that? How do we speak the truth in a way that is helpful to people, that doesn't push them away, without compromising the truth that we have? Um, and I'm just going to say this. We're called to speak truth, not our opinions. There's a big difference between the two, and I think everybody realizes that. If you're on Facebook, you realize that. You see a lot of opinions, not a lot of truth. Um, and God has placed us in our friend groups and our jobs in order to bring that truth to people in a way that is at ground level, I'm going to put it. So we don't want to be Christians that stand on a pulpit and say, I have truth, and you need truth, and you need truth, because you're broken and sinful. And yes, that is truth. That's where we're all at. But did God do that to us? Did he stand up on heaven and say, you need truth, and you need truth, and you need truth because you can't do it on your own? No. He stepped down into our world, and he said, let me walk with you. Let me feel your pain. Let me experience the same things that you are going through. So that when I say, here is truth, it's done so with grace, and it's done so with mercy, and it's done so powerfully because that's how that's supposed to be communicated, truth in love. Truth without love just brings harm. We see it in our culture every day. Everyone's shouting different opinions. You know, when we see... I'm sure we all know Christians that enjoy debating um, on Facebook. I had a friend in college that he thought one of the most effective ways to bring the gospel to people was to debate people on Facebook and argue back and forth with different political points or different ideas on abortion or homosexuality and show stats. I, I don't see that as the truth that brings change. I see truth that brings change as truth that comes along and sits alongside someone. Says, man, what are you going through? What are you experiencing? Like, how can I come alongside you? How can I pray for you? 
Like that's truth that really brings change in a culture. And it's not the showiest, it's not the flashiest, it might not even seem like the most effective, but it absolutely is because there's a relationship. And when we can review the relationship as the goal instead of winning the argument, that's where the Holy Spirit steps in. And that's when we can open the door for deeper communications. Because in the end, what do we want to see happen with our friends and our family? I want my friends and my family to encounter Christ in a way that they acknowledge him as God. So they begin a relationship with him. And if that means I sit down and talk to them instead of bringing the truth, okay, I'm going to back up. If I sit down and talk to them and hear their story and in time slowly bring in the grace and mercy of God and slowly bring in that truth, that's what it looks like. It's not throwing biblical truths in their face and commanding them to follow. Um, It's something that has to be done in love and in those moments we need to allow the Holy Spirit to lead us in those. Because that's the only way we can be effective. We can't make someone believe. We can only pray for them and we can only pray for the Holy Spirit to move in their lives. Um, And again, I'm going to say it's not about winning the argument when you're speaking truth. It's about beginning that relationship and hearing the person out, regardless of where they're at. Don't, don't compromise. Don't say like, well, I, I think the Bible might be wrong with that. No, no, no. That's, we don't compromise like that. We do hold to truth, but we're full of grace and we want to hear people out. And here's the big question. Um, actually, I'm going to give you guys a story. Back when I was in seventh grade, my family moved from Alaska down to Washington, and I got enrolled in a co-op. I was homeschooled, all right? I'm a homeschooler. I get it. I know how it is. Um, but I was enrolled in a co-op, and I was doing an English class. It was pretty fun, and the, the professor was kind of the, you know, really outgoing. She enjoyed being with students. She enjoyed bringing people, um, like, different ideas, um, and it was, a, it was a really fun group of kids that I was in class with. And we were going through like different books that she had us reading. There was one book that she was really, really excited for us to read. And it was called Touching Spirit Bear. I still remember. I, I, I was excited initially to read it. Because everyone was so excited. Like, oh, we're going to get to this book and it's going to be awesome. And professor or teacher was really excited about it. And I started going through the book, and I was like, this is messed up. There's a lot of, like, spiritual nature, very, like, weird, abstract, um, dangerous spiritual ideas presented in there. Um, And I'm looking at this book, and then I'm in this class where, like, everyone's like, oh, this book is awesome. It's so good. I'm like, there's messed up stuff in here. Like, there's actually legitimately dangerous ideas being presented in this book. I was like, okay, what do I do with this? And, you know, talking to my parents, they're like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to address it. I'm going to say that I don't like this book for these reasons. And I, you know, I was a very, very quiet, homeschooled kid, and I'm now going to tell, tell a teacher that I don't like the book that she was most excited for us to read. And again, that might, might seem like a tiny, tiny thing, but I did it. And then come to find out, like, half the class was like, I, I really didn't enjoy that book. 
So like, when you're speaking truth, don't be afraid because you're probably not the only one. Um, look around. You're not the only one. You know, you have brothers and sisters in Christ that will stand with you. But I want to get to the most important part of why do we speak truth in a culture that doesn't want to hear it? And the why is the most important part. So we talked a little, about, a little bit about how people can respond to it and maybe how we can do it well. Um, and doing it in love. But why? Why do we do that? So for that answer, we're going to go to Luke chapter 7. So, remember when I kind of was giving you a summary of John the Baptist's life, and I said they sent two disciples to find Jesus and ask him, are you truly the Messiah? We're, we're going to that story. I'm going to finish on that. All right. The disciples of John reported all these things to him, um, telling him, so they're telling John what Jesus is doing. And John, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to the Lord, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? When the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you. Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? In that hour, he, being Jesus, healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits, and on whom many uh, were blind, he bestowed sight. And he answered them, Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, Lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have good news preached to them, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. When John's messengers had gone, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who are dressed in splendid clothing and live in luxury are in king's courts. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you more than a prophet. This is him of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messengers before your face, who will prepare your, your way before you. I tell you, among those born of women, none is greater than John. Yet, one is least, um, yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. All right. The most important why as to why we speak truth is because God and Jesus has called us to. And that's what he desires for us. We see a man in John that is broken in prison, asking like, okay, God, I did everything you wanted. Like, was I right? And Jesus responds with, yes, you are absolutely right. The blind are seen. The lepers are being cleansed. The poor in spirit are are being lifted up, and the good news is preached to them. Yes, you are right. The world is rejecting you. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. But you are right to speak the truth. That was what he was called to do. That was what the angels speaking over him for his life, saying this is someone that will speak truth absolutely the entirety of his life. And Jesus recognizes that in this moment. And he lifts John up, and he says, when you're looking for Guys, men, women, born, human, John's at the top. That's what he's been like. He's lifting him up. He's like, yeah, a prophet? Greater than a prophet. Like he was even prophesied about in the Old Testament. So why do we speak truth? Why do we hold on to this? 
in the face of adversity, it's because Jesus is the one who is glorified in it. It's because he is the one that will give us approval, not the world. We talked about Herod that was treating the truth kind of like, oh, it's entertaining. Then Herodias that hated it and the disciples that believed. But in the end, does it matter if people treat us like a joke? Does it matter if people hate us and ridicule us? Does it matter if they even listen? If Jesus is the one that our approval is coming from, when our eyes are focused on him, it doesn't matter what anyone else around us is saying. Because Jesus, in the end, is going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. You spoke truth in love. You sat down with people. You heard their story. You cried with them. You prayed with them. You lifted them up. And you brought truth in that moment. And truth doesn't have to look like the right answer. But it does have to look like a helping hand sometimes. So, Jesus is worth it. He's absolutely worth it. Because of who he is, what he's done for us, his life, his death, his resurrection, Jesus is worth it. And that in the end is the reward. That's a reward for speaking truth. That's a reward for holding on. Even in spite of the ridicule and the consequences that we might face in this world, Christ is absolutely, absolutely worth it. Um, yeah. Lord, I just thank you for tonight, Lord. I thank you for everyone here. Lord, I pray that you fill us with your power, Lord. You fill us with your Holy Spirit, Lord. I pray that your presence just rests on this place right now, Lord. I pray you bring people to mind, Lord, that we need to reach out to this week. Um, Lord, I pray that you remind us of people that uh, may have been lost in our life, Lord. Um, Lord, and I pray you show us how to sit down and talk with these people and hear their story and bring your truth and your power, Lord, and your healing grace into their lives. Um, Lord, we just pray for your spirit to lead us in that. Lord, we want to pursue you more, Lord. We want to be in a deeper relationship with you. Um, we want you to move in our nation, Lord, in our world, in our, our family, in our friends. Lord, we want more of you. Lord, we can't do it on our own. Lord, move in us. Lord, you're awesome. Lord, give us your eyes to see what you're doing. Lord, I pray you give us your feet to go after it. Lord, I pray you give us hands to love and serve the people when we get there. Lord, you are awesome. Lord, we love you. I pray all of these things in your name.